you. We lift you up. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance. It's what you've done for us that leads us to come to know you. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Do me a favor. Give somebody a hug. Make a gooey connection. Get a high five. Get a high five before Pastor Stephen comes on up. Okay? We've got lots of love in this place. Lots and lots of love. All right, awesome, 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 awesome. All right, before Pastor Stephen comes up, um, I just want to thank you guys for coming out tonight, first night of Unite. It's awesome. God's presence is here. Let's give it up for God and Unite. Awesome. Cool. And uh, Pastor Stephen's going to do a couple announcements right when he comes up here, but I uh, just want to tell you guys I love you guys. Welcome. Let's give it up for our one and only Pastor Stephen, our college and career pastor. Come on up, my friend. Come what's on up. up. Come what's on up. up. What's up? What's up, everybody? How are y'all doing tonight? Everybody doing good? Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody doing good? Guys, I could not be more ecstatic for you guys to be here. We've been working on this for quite a while now, and I'm so pumped that each and every one of you could make it here tonight. So give yourselves another big round of applause just for making it out. I love you guys. Thank you so much for coming. I'm humbled to be the college and career pastor here at The Crossing. Before we get into it, I wanted to talk briefly about the life groups that we've been having. Make some noise if you've been a part of the life group we've had for the past four weeks now. Yeah. We have had such an awesome time getting to know each other, the community, the fellowship we've developed, um, and just diving deeper into the Word of God with like-minded believers. And the life group, like I said, has been meeting for about the past four weeks now. Um, regularly, about 30 people are coming, and it's been so great. But after tonight's service, what we want to do is break outside of these four walls. We're going to start to gather in smaller groups. So if you have not been a part of that, I highly, highly encourage you guys to get involved. So after this service, what I want you to do is come. If you have not been a part of it, talk to me directly, or you can talk to Alexis. Alexis, where are you at? I can't see. She's got a camera probably somewhere. Yeah, she's right in the middle. Come talk to myself, Alexis, or Ben and Sarah in the house. Are you guys here? Is Ben here? Right here up front. Stand up so everybody can see your face. Ben and Sarah already have an amazing life group going on. You can come talk to them. Uh, but we really, really want to encourage you guys to just get plugged in because we have this service once a month now, but during those other three weeks, we really want you to stay connected. So it's important that you guys do that. Amen? Sound good? Everybody on board? Let me get a woo. I like that. That was hot. All right. Let's pray before we get into it. Father God, thank you so much for just blessing this place, God. Thank you for allowing us all to come here, worship you, God, and just develop a deeper connection with you, God. That's what my prayer is for tonight, God, that every single person here actually experiences you, God. We don't want to hear a sermon. God, we want to experience you and who you are, God. So position us, position our hearts, position our minds, God, just to receive 
exactly what you want us to receive tonight, God. Pray against any hindrances or distractions, God. We recognize you, God. We give you all the glory for tonight. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. So when I was preparing for this, I thought, what on earth are we going to talk about for the first Unite service? And running our race came to mind. So running our spiritual race was the first thing on my mind. And you guys have heard that saying, right? Life's a race. You got to whatever you want to say. I personally like life's a garden, like Joe Dierte, dig it. That's one of my favorites. But running your race in life. So who here actually likes to physically run? Like running, where, where are my runners at? One, two, three people. That's about what I thought. I, I, I love y'all for doing it, but I also despise you at the same time because I can't do it. And especially when you're like on the road. This actually applies to bikers, really, but runners and bikers, like, I'm in my car and you're on the road and you want me to, like, give you three feet and I don't want to give you three feet. I kind of want to hit you. And y'all get me so frustrated all the time. But I also get more frustrated because I can't do it and I can't run. I know I look like I'm skinny and you're thinking, man, that guy probably runs all the time. I'm awful. I'm the worst runner ever. It gives me anxiety. I, I panic. I mentally, physically, I look awkward when I do it. I, y'all know, like, this is what I look like. So you know those girls who they're like grown women, maybe some of y'all in the room, I'm not going to say any names, but like they go out, they put on their heels, and it's like the first time they've ever worn heels in their life. So they walk like they just got punched in the back, and by the end of the night, they're like <laughs> doing that like baby, that baby giraffe kind of wobble. Like that's how I look when I run. So please, if you don't know how to wear high heels, just like don't do it. Wear some flats, ladies. I'm just saying. Public service announcement. Also, if you do start to walk like that, please don't take your shoes off, too. This is off subject, but I don't want to see your dirty toes. So keep your shoes on, please. Please, please, please. But I can't run. But what's the purpose of running? There's a goal, right? There's a reason why you run. You want to get in shape. Um, you want to lose a couple pounds. You maybe want to get that six-pack for the beach for summer. You want to do something, right? I'm far from it. I like to eat too much. But you want, there's a reason why, right? There's like a destination, a goal that you're going after for running. So I wanted to apply that spiritually and how we run our race with God. So who here feels like they already know their purpose in life? Like you got it hashed out. God's told you, you're running your race already. You know exactly what you're doing. Where are my people at? Who knows your purpose? Sweet, nobody. We're going to learn some stuff tonight. Me too. Hey. That's the response I wanted, because a lot of the times, especially during this age, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we want. We're not comfortable with our exact purpose. So hopefully I can give you guys some tips and some practical ways for us to figure out our purpose and how we can run our race for God. So if you want to throw that uh, scripture up, we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 12, the first three verses is what we're going to concentrate on. So you can follow along with me. We got it up there. Awesome. So it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him 
who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So I'm going to take this scripture, I'm going to pick it apart piece by piece, and we're going to roll through this together. But I want to give you guys some context and a little background on who the author of James was taught, or the author of Hebrews was talking to. So he was talking to, and wrote this book to, a group of newly converted Jews. So these people were brand new in their faith to Christianity, and so they were kind of set in their ways before, practicing their Jewish law traditions. They knew what they were doing. They were comfortable. Jesus comes on the scene, obviously, wrecks that. And so now they're like new Christians, but they're having difficulty adjusting. So they really liked their old way of life. They were comfortable with it. They knew what they were doing, and they didn't really want to go from that. So the author here is just ensuring them, hey, there's people that have run this race before you. There's people that have done this. Look to them as the perfecters of our faith. Look to them as an example, a guideline on how you guys can successfully run this race. And so it says in the beginning of that first verse that they're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So who were these people? These people were like the Hall of Fame. If you've heard of the Hall of Faith, it's the chapter right before this, Hebrews 11. So it talks in that about like Abel, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David. It's just filled with people who already ran the race. And they were successful. So he's encouraging them to look at these people who have already suffered for the gospel. They were going through quite a bit of persecution at this time. And suffer is probably an understatement. So I know the Bible tells us that these people, they were tortured. They they faced jeers and flogging, chains. They were put in prison. They were stoned to death, sawn in two, killed by the sword. So they wore sheepskins and goatskins. So half of them probably dressed like Pastor Cole and all y'all from Plant City. And just disgusting attire, whatever that is that y'all wear. No, I'm just messing with you guys a little bit. But that's what they wore. And then they were persecuted, mistreated. They wandered through the desert. They had no homes. They were living in caves and holes in the ground. So these people had it pretty bad, right? So I got to thinking about that. And I was like, man, what a luxurious lifestyle we almost live today, right, as being Christians? Would half of us or any of us continue on pursuing our faith, running after God, if, ha- if this was happening to us. I can't honestly say yes, I would. Just being honest with you guys. Like, that's really intense. But we have the gall, we have, like, the audacity to not share our faith because of what people think about us. Like, that's our reason. These people were getting killed. It says sawn in two. Like, you got cut in half. But we're worried about people's perception of us and how we look. So that's why we don't share our faith. Someone writes, whatever it is, bad Facebook, Instagram, I mean, Twitter post about you, you get kind of hurt, and so you shut down, and then you stop telling people about your faith. Or you let it, uh, you let it affect you to the point where you stop running your race after God, you may know your purpose, and you, let, you stop running because of what people think. We all want people to love us. We all, I mean, that's human nature, guys. I get it. I want it too. I was a people pleaser, and all I wanted was people to love me, like, That's what we want, but we're finding our love in people rather than finding our love in God. And like Jeremy was saying, I mean, our foundation needs to be in him so we can not be shaken. Because when you put it on other people, every time your circumstance changes, who you are is going to change, what you believe is going to change. So it's a never-ending cycle. Like, it's never going to stop. So putting our foundation, I love that he said that, in Christ is just amazing. Who would have thought we planned that? We didn't even do that. 
But what I want to concentrate on here is like the people that he named. So we all know Moses, we all know David, we know these big names, right, in the Bible. We often put them on a pedestal like so often. So they're so holy. And I do it too to where it's almost like they're not real people. Like you can't imagine you being there on the same level as them. But one of my favorite verses in the Bible, James 5, 17, it talks about Elijah and all the stuff he did. I mean, this guy like called down fire from heaven, literally. But that verse tells us that he was a man just like us. And so often we put these people on a pedestal, but they had shortcomings and they had failures too. So Abraham was a liar, right? Jacob, a deceiver. Moses, a murderer. Sarah doubted God. David, he was an adulterer and a murderer. And then in spite of those shortcomings, God says, look at these people. That's who you want to, that's who you want to look at if you want to run this race. So don't let the enemy put that lie in your head that, man, what I've done or who I've been is going to disqualify me from running my race. Because we've all been there. I know I've lied. I know I've done a lot of other things that I probably shouldn't have done. We won't go there. But all these things, has anybody here murdered someone yet? Oh, God, I hope not. That's a little aggressive. If so, we're going to have to get security. If we have security, Trent, you back there? Front left right here. Raise his hand. But my point is, we're just like these people, right? We all went through the same thing. He's saying, man, look at them. So don't ever let the enemy put that lie in your head that you're disqualified automatically for something you were before. Because it's just not true. They'll try and do that to you. So we have to keep the faith. We have to keep running after God. But we have to start, right? You've got to start somewhere. You've got to start running. So I want you to pull up that clip real quick. We're going to watch a quick clip. From one of my favorite movies. Dim those lights real quick. Are you proud of your just like Snoopy? No, I'm Forrest Gump. Just run away, Forrest. Run, Forrest. Run away. Hurry. Get the bike. Hurry up and get Oh, shout, Johnny. Here we come. Get you. You wouldn't believe it if I told you that I can run like the wind blows. From that day on, if I was going somewhere, I was running. All right, y'all can bring those lights up. Man, Forrest getting after it. Y'all like that movie? Any Forrest Gump fans in here? Y'all, I love that movie. It's so good. 
It is so good. It's like a miracle. Like, it just reminds me of what a miracle would be. That and the sandlot. Come on. So, what do we know about Forrest? I said we have to start running our race, right? So, if you've seen the movie before, what we know about Forrest is that he was born with, like, a crooked spine. And so, his whole life, until this point, he was told, you're not going to be like other kids. You're not going to be able to walk the same. You're not going to haven't be able to run at all, but you're not going to be the same. You are disqualified from doing whatever you want to do. And for those of you that have seen the movie, hopefully everyone here, what does he end up doing? Like running across America, like complete opposite. <laughs> so people, though, in his life were telling him what he could or could not do. He was hindered. He was disqualified from running, right? But look what happened when persecution, criticism, and judgment came his way. What did he do? turned away first, right? So what happens when all these things in our lives, this is what I'm trying to relate it to, the persecution, the judgment, the I'm not pretty enough, I'm not smart enough, I don't have the clout, I don't have the connections, I don't have the ability, I don't have the talents to do whatever it is. What are we doing when those things come at us? You see, we have had it just in our minds and cycled through our minds for such a long time. We're letting people dictate how we're running our race for God. But when are we going to get so fed up with what the enemy and what outsiders and what other people say about us that we use that opposition as fuel or almost like a catalyst to jump and run after God? When do we get so fed up with how other people see us that we use that? Stop crying about it. Use it. Because if you don't, it's just going to waste. It's going to your head, and you're just sitting there doing nothing. And I've been there, and I do it. I still do it sometimes. But that's not what God has called us to do. See, Forrest, Forrest Gump, he didn't know he could run until he actually started to try and run. So what's he do first? He turns his back. So what do we do? We turn our back to the enemy. We turn our back to the criticism, the judgment, the persecution. We turn our back to it. But do we stop there? So many of us do. You're not going anywhere. You're still there. You can still hear it in the back of your mind. So what's he do? He starts to walk away. But then that walk turns into like a little speed walk. And so he's, I mean, walking awkwardly. You know that, you know that walk you do like when you're going to crosswalk and like there's a car in front of you and you want to act like you're moving fast, but it's just your upper torso, but your lower body's still moving the same so they're like, wow, his upper body is so considerate, but his lower half is not even moving quickly at all. It's the same exact speed. Anyways, so he starts to walk, speed walk, and then he starts to jog. Get some encouragement from his girl, Jenny. Run, Forrest, run. Need a good lady in your life, Proverbs 31. Where y'all at? So he starts to get some encouragement, though. So he start, it turns into a jog. And then that jog turns into a run. And only when he started to run full speed away from his enemy toward his destiny or whatever he had in mind did the braces break off his legs. Am I right? They didn't break off when he turned around. They didn't break off when he started walking or running. Only when he gave it everything he had, all of his ability, all his might, all of his grit, everything he had, he broke off those braces. And so often, that's what we need to do. We're giving God half of our best. We're half in, half out. And that's why braces of life are still on us. The sin that so easily entangles that this verse is talking about. We're never going to break free until we truly want to run after God with everything we have. That's when it breaks off. 
And we have to start running and moving into God's plan for our lives. So I love what he said, too. He said, from that day on, if I was going somewhere, I would run in. See, once, like, but as soon as he got, like, a taste for it, he's like, that's all I want to do. As soon as you get a taste of God, that's all you're going to want. You just got to taste it. You got to get that initial taste of God, and you'll never want anything else because nothing else can replace it. That's all you're going to want to run after, and that's what you have to get to. So how do we do it practically? There's some things we have to do. Number one, remove the hindrances. So the verse tells us, it says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So what's it tell us to do? It doesn't tell us just not to sin. There's something before that. It says throw off everything that hinders. And that's what I want to concentrate on because there's a difference between sin. We know we shouldn't sin, right? 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 Okay, okay, okay. So we should not sin, but it doesn't stop there. It says throw off everything, any weight, any hindrance, anything that's not propelling you towards God, towards running your race. And a lot of the times, I think we, because I do it, so I know we all do it. I'm just going to group y'all in with me. We get so caught up, captivated by what's a sin? What can I, what can I do? What can I not do? Almost like what can I get away with and still be on God's good side? Am I right? Like, they're, they're doing this, and, and the Bible does it. So, I mean, it doesn't really say I can't do it. Like, Jesus turned water into wine. I'm going to get a couple glasses of wine in me, see what happens. Right? I'm not over-abusing it, so what, what's the deal, right? Whatever it is in your life, the things that aren't necessarily morally sinful you still try and get away with it. And a lot of the times, it's so funny because Pastor Greg, we had a staff meeting um, this past week. And he was talking about the things in our life that God is trying to get to us. So there's some things that God wants to give us that are greater than our imagination. Or we can't even comprehend. But we're so caught up with other things that, like I said, may not even be morally sinful. But they're hindering us from experiencing God's fullness of what he wants for us. Wherever he wants us to go. We're not willing to give up those things because, God, they're not technically sin. Like, why are you trying to pull, pull, pull away from me? He's not trying to pull and not fill you with something greater. That's exactly what his MO is. Like, is. That's what God does. Sometimes there are seasons in our life where he says, you know what? Put that aside. I don't think necessarily video games, food, sleep, drinking, having a beer or wine, whatever y'all do. I'm, I mean, there's things that aren't necessarily sinful. But God says, you know what, put that away for a season because I want to give you something greater. I want to give you something a lot better than what you're experiencing right now. But are we willing to do that? And so this means, I mean, that our thought process is really broken and it needs to be mended. So what I want to concentrate on is not is this sin, but is this thought, is this action, is this motivation, is whatever I'm doing right now propelling me towards God and running my race or is it hindering me? That's the question, not is it a sin. So concentrate on that prior part. What's hindering me? So that means that there's something that is holding us back from what God created us to be. So it's our duty to ask, Lord, what is hindering me? Where do you want me to go? And this is through prayer. I need to be where you need me to be. I'm desperate. 
humility, that's where that comes in, getting on our knees, letting go of our pride and saying, I get I'm not where I am. Tell me what I need to give up because there's a lot of things I know in my life and your life that he's telling you to give up that you're holding on to. And you're not going to receive what he has for you until you give them up and fully run after him, not just half in, half out. So we address what's hindering us. Then it's time to run, right? But before we run, we need direction. You've got to know where you're going. You can't start running aimlessly. We need direction. So we have to find direction. And the verse tells us to run the race that's set out for us, right? So not trying to run someone else's race. Staying in your, turn to your neighbor and say, stay in your lane. Turn to your other neighbor and say, get out of my lane. So many people in my lane. But it tells us to run the race, am I right, that's set out for us. You see, a lot of the times we can fall into this comparison trap. It's human nature. It's what we do. It's the sin we were born into. Can't help it. But someone else's race looks so much more attractive than our race. They seem like they're getting so much more accomplished, doing more for the kingdom. They're in the spotlight. And we want what they have. But why do we do that? If you really think about it, do you not think that God, so we compare ourselves, right? I, I, like I said before, I don't have the abilities. I don't, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough, whatever it is. Don't you think God made you exactly how you need to be in order to accomplish his will and the purpose he has for your life? Good thing that you don't have what they need because you'd be having to run their race and your race. Embrace what you have so you only have one race to worry about. Because when you want what others have, God's going to say, okay, well, you can run their race too. Why do you want that responsibility? <laughs> be content with what God gifted you to do, your abilities, the anointing he's put in your life, and run your race. Stay Because we think, I mean, at least me, I thought God's, like, affection for me was, like, based on, like, what I was doing. I'm, I'm a doer, you know? And this is, like, a lot of things that men carry. Like, we're doers. We like to conquer. We like to, you know, as Pastor Jonah says, like, put our flag down and say, you know, I've accomplished this. This is mine. And I do it all the time. But, you see, God's affection is not rooted in what we're doing for him. Yes, he wants us to run our race, but God's affection is based on what Jesus already did on the cross for us. When he looks at us, and we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. He sees Jesus. He doesn't even see us. Jesus is washed by the blood. That's what he sees. That's how what God's affection is based on, what Jesus already did for us. But you still have a race to run. You still purpose. And there's still something you have to physically do. You can't just rest and do nothing. So, find your direction. The last thing we have to do. We got our direction, starting to run. We run with endurance. That's what the verse tells us to do. It says, let us run the race with endurance. So he's telling us here, it's not going to be a sprint. It's not fast. It's not easy. We have to endure. Why? Because of the opposition we will face. That's why he wrote to the Jews the way he did. He said, I know you guys are getting persecuted, sawn in two and all this stuff, but you have to endure. There's endurance that comes with this. 
So when we do this, there's going to be a point where we come to roadblocks and we get discouraged. It's going to come. It's going to come from a family member, a friend, someone you know, even in our thoughts. That's a huge thing with me. You getting inside your own head. And it's going to say, man, is what you're doing really worth it? Is what you're doing, is what you're giving up really worth what you're gaining? Is what God's making you not do really going to be bigger and better than what he's going to give you who knows when in the future? And that's a lie that constantly comes in our head. Well, I'll tell you someone who did endure, who's the most famous, I think, for it, and that was Jesus. Can we give it up to Jesus one time for enduring for us? see, Jesus, he lost more than anybody. He suffered cruelly for a reason, and if you're looking at the reason, look at yourself, point to your neighbor. This is the reason why he did that. You see, he endured the cross. The verse says, he endured the cross for the joy set before him. You see, Jesus knew the reason behind his suffering was greater than the suffering itself. He looked past the actual suffering and said, man, I future glory, I, these people here in this room, all of you, that's what I'm doing this for. That, that's the reason. See, he wasn't thinking about himself. He wasn't thinking about the pain he was going through, whatever he was experiencing at that time, the opposition, the ridicule, the people spitting in his face. He had one thing on his mind, and that was the will of his Father in heaven. He had a tunnel like vision approach. He had blinders on where he said, man, nothing's getting in the way of me accomplishing this. I know my purpose in life. I know my father's will. I'm going after this with my whole heart, my whole mind, and everything I have. And although he asked the father to take the cup from him, he said, your will be done. I don't want to, but I know I have to. He wasn't focused on his circumstance or letting anybody else control him focused on what God demanded him to do. And so what do we do? We, one, address the hindrances in our life, right? We find our direction. And we look to Jesus, the perfecter of our faith, for us to figure out how we can run with the endurance we need to. And so my homework for you guys Y'all like homework? It's summertime. Y'all should. Y'all got nothing to do. So my homework for myself and for you guys, the takeaway for this is for us to implement this system that we've learned about tonight. To stand up to the opposition and say, my present sufferings are not worth comparing to the future glory that's going to be revealed in me. Jesus knew this. He endured the cross for it. And why are we doing this? What's the point? It's because Jesus, God has called us to do something greater than we are. We put ourselves up and we think it's about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. God called us to do something greater than ourselves. Let us get out of this selfish, just fleshly body and become selfless people. That's where true change is going to come, only at that point. It's when you let go of self and you give it all to God. So let's look at the blueprint for how we can practically do this. We're going to read the verse again. It says, let us look back 
that are examples of what faith is, a.k.a. get in the word. Look at what people have done. Look at what's been successful in the Bible. It's a blueprint. It tells us how to live. Look at that as an example of what faith is. Also, lay aside every weight and sin. All the hindrances. Don't just stop sinning. Give up what God told you to give up. And let us run the race with endurance, the race that is set before us. So whenever you want to quit, that's why those life groups I talked about are so important because if you guys are connected to one of those, you're going to have accountability and people alongside you that are saying, you know what, no. Let's have our faith perfected at the end of this thing and let's endure right now through this opposition and these tough times. That's why those life groups are important. It's for people like that. And every single thing we go to, our bad days, our bad weeks, months, years, however long you've been suffering, they're all avenues to our faith being perfected. And this is nothing new. This is just our turn, like I said, to run the race. We're here right now. God put us here for something. You have a purpose. Align yourself with God. Say, I'm ready to run my race for you. So listen to the Holy Spirit and be obedient. He's got a plan for each and every single one of us in this room. And if we can follow this blueprint and practically try and live this out, spending time with God, looking back at what people have done, and truly asking him, man, where am I going and what's my purpose? He's not going to not talk to you if you're genuine about it. But you've got to give up what he's asking you to give up. Amen? So I want everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes with me real quick. I never like to leave any sort of setting where I have an opportunity for those that don't know Christ to help me make that decision. Now we've talked about Jesus being the perfecter of our faith and what he endured on the cross for us. He suffered cruelly and shed his blood so you and I did not have to spend eternity apart from him. He loved us so much. He counted every number on our head he had a precise plan for us before we were ever even put into the earth, before we were walking here. He knew us and cared for us so much. And the least we can do is give him all of us and say, I'm ready to run my race for you. So I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I accept your gift of salvation. I turn from my ways and repent and turn towards you. I choose today to run my race for you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can lift your heads up. If that's the first time one of you have ever said that prayer, I want you to come find me directly. Or there's going to be Alexis, who I pointed out earlier. She's going to be standing along this wall with me. We've also got Trent and Tori who are going to be over here. If you guys need any sort of prayer whatsoever, come talk to us. Don't leave this place. Whatever God is tugging at you in your heart without getting prayer and having someone to talk to about it, I highly encourage you to talk to one of us, okay? So you guys can stand up. We're going to worship a little bit more before we close out, all right?